<laughs> Sometimes we might act a little bit like divas. I'm just saying. I don't know if divas <laughs> the word. I, I, however, I think you and I act normal, like normal divas. <laughs> I need green M and M's in the green room. Room room must be exactly seventy two point three degrees. If there are any red M and M's. So help me, I will tear this place apart. <laughs> what, what is it, Christmas? <laughs> They're totally green. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Self-evident podcast. You just got to be here. Yeah, we're down to earth, sensible, down home folks. Sensible, that's not the word. I yeah. Think that, um, that's not. Insane. Yeah. That, that, better. that fits better. Better. Well, welcome. Hey. Either way, you got Mike, you got Massey. What's up? Hi, guys. It's Monday morning. Us two, we're gonna make it. Look at that. I'm telling you, there's something about more light. <laughs> that six inch gap between hair and eyebrow it just gets so noticeable in these, <laughs> in these cameras. We just look I, at this dome here. I, I wish I had the sheen coming off my head. I wish we had a ruler graphic. Right. We could put it right next to your head. <laughs> You're smart. You comb your hair down. Yeah. <laughs> I cover over it, right? You got to cover over the, the spots. Yeah. I'm going to be that guy with five hairs combed That's over. Right. That's right, Trump. As though it'll cover everything. Yes. You turn into Orange Man on Halloween. I, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I got like three inches of hair here. This is I, the, the effect is. There's like that much head of hair. And then there's head. It's so funny because I was thinking about that this morning. Like just thinking about yeah, yeah, how yeah. I can't wear my hat anymore. I was thinking about your hair. How like it's always like perfectly like quiffed mm-hmm. upwards. It's like a wall of hair. It is. It's it's the the outer walls. This is not jail, ladies and gentlemen. Head. Or gel. Jail. This is not gel. This is pomade. Oh, I was old spice. I was gonna say grease and sweat, but wow. <laughs> wow. It's going for the. Let's talk about it. A, what, what else what are we, we talking got? about? We got anything else to talk about? We're going to talk Not about really. diversity, color, <laughs> all that. <laughs> Anywho, there's some people going, I listen to these guys. I know, dude. You, you know, opinions? you know, Pastor Todd's thinking right now, like, shut up and get to the point, sir. I get to the point, sir. Yes, sir. Here we go. Welcome. It's game time. And uh, we're going to start with a little segment that uh, we tend to call news bits. Easy, you got it? On the clock. We need a big clock. We do, like right on the screen. Big digital clock. I was thinking on the wall, too. Our producers need to get on them. What producers? There's only one. Well, I mean, we're using the term loosely, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Let's go. All right. You got it on the clock? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. All right. California, because of course, the reparations committee calls for K through 12 curriculum on dun 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 systematic racism. This reparations task force created by legislation signed by Newsom, because who else is pushing the state to teach all kids about systematic racism and advance the ideology of black liberation. Just let that sink in. Uh, this is going to teach kids the more expansive history, accurately depicting historic racial inequalities, systematic racism, honors black lives, fully represents contributions of black people in society, advances the ideology of black liberation, and highlights the particular contributions of those who are descendants of individuals who were enslaved in the U.S. So, you know, remember we did this show a Don't while ago. Yeah, build a bridge. Yeah. How many comments we got? Where is it in public schools? Remember when we had That's Amy? Right, all remember the when Amy and, County and, trolls. and Jen were all like, <laughs> "We don't see this in public schools." There's no, they're not teaching it in public schools. Because you know California has to lead the way with not punishing evil and then start teaching ideologies that actually tells people that there's no such thing as forgiveness and actually implementing a word love we have to force people to love each other because that's exactly what martin luther king died for who he didn't want us to love each other he wanted us to have legislation force us to like each other you know what i mean that's just how it goes i i think he was just he was a big supporter of government oppression 
I agree. Yes. I, I think that's actually what his mission was. Tyrannical oppression in an authoritarian <clears throat> government. Unbelievable. Pushing down ideologies and agendas uh, to squash one group and uplift another. The idea of liberation now causes the black person to say, hey, you need to elevate me. Because that's liberation, not equality, not 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 because they're all talking about equality. You know. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Next. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that. Next one. DeSantis is looking for permanent ban of mask and COVID 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 vaccine mandates. <laughs> COVID died. COVID COVID. The proposal would seek to permanently ban mask mandates, COVID nineteen vaccine mandates, vaccine passports, and give free speech protection to medical workers. I salute this. I wholeheartedly salute this. Matter of fact, I would say it would almost be better if they said we don't need to permanently ban anything. I would just say from government, I don't have the authority or none of us have the authority to do any of this. Right. We don't have the authority to give you a mandate. We don't have the authority to mandate masks. We don't have the authority to do any of that stuff. That's your choice. So instead of passing a law, which then creates the legality of something, because someone could come in there and rescind that law and say government has authority. Do you know what I mean? The more laws they pass, the more authority you give them, good or bad. That's my take. Unfortunately, we're in this time and place where it has to be done because otherwise, you know what I mean? Yeah. Number three, uh, 83,000 migrants crossed the border this week. This is a record, surprisingly. Of course, asylum restrictions set in place during COVID were lifted Tuesday at midnight. And gosh, golly, if those illegal immigrants didn't somehow know this was their chance. So the Washington Post, they had a story that said no surge at the border. Also, the Washington Post, unlawful crossings top 10,000 per day this week, the highest levels ever. My question is, when do we define surge? I love this. They do this crap. No alarm here, but on page 10, you know, this isn't good. It's the most ever. But I love how they said, you know, Trump calls them all illegals. That's wrong. Unlawful. Yeah. Unlawful. <laughs> I'm so glad you this noticed This is awesome. That. This is awesome. No, no, no. That's racist to call them illegal immigrants. It's called hypocrisy, we, folks. We want unlawful migrants. It's called hypocrisy. We dare do it. Because it's good. <laughs> if I say it's good, it's good. It's good. So that's your roundup. I think we're ahead of time on this. Hot one. How dog, much let's we got? go. Let's go. That was uh, 36 seconds to spare. Come nice. on. Game on. All right. So, guys, before we get into the main topic, do not forget we have a matching grant going. We are at what? Halfway point. Halfway point. So we are almost there. We're over the top of the hill. We just need you to help us keep going down the hill faster and faster. And then we die. <laughs> I mean, that was oh stupid. That was stupid. That was, this is down, he said downhill and then we, anyway. I, Donate. I can't even say anything because I feel like it's something <laughs> I would have said too. If well, you hadn't said it, I probably would have. In your best Russian accent, tell them to support. Camera. Here at Self-Evident Ministries, we require you to pay. The joy of your giving is that you will be supporting us. However, we require it of you. The oppression will continue until morale improves. So thank you for your submission and long live Self-Evident Ministries, comrade. Good night. That was heartfelt. That was, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that was, anyway. Anyways, do not forget Matching Grant. Yeah, Go to theselfadventruth.com. Yeah. Be sure to sign up. Your donation. Shoot. Your, get some merch your while monthly you're at sponsorship. It. Get yourself some merch. It goes towards us, except for the merch payment. But that does go towards it us. It doesn't to go help towards us the go goal. We, yeah. You're, you know. You know what I'm talking about. So anyways, ready to get into it? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. We actually had this request, and <gasps> this is how fast we turn around. That's right. This was a request on YouTube. On Friday, this was a request. And there I was sitting Sunday evening going, hmm, let's do it. Game on. So, DEI. I, dude, I'm day. So, <laughs> day. So, when I first searched, just my first initial search. <laughs> 
It's over. This is <laughs> not <done>. good. <laughs> Discredited. <laughs> Discredited. Everything I'd say from now on. <laughs> so when I first searched DEI, you know what showed up? Latin for image of God. Imago Dei. Dei. So I'm wondering. Imago Dei, dude. Imago Dei. <laughs> Don't speak Latin. <laughs> I'm Latin. <laughs> Anyways, but do you notice that? It's like, in the image of God, is DEI now our God? Oh. Shape into that image. Other people will be like, it's the satanic agenda. So what is DEI besides God? It means diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I am really wishing they would have done in diversity, inclusion, and equity. They don't really have the guts. So diversity. <laughs> take people a second. Diversity is the focus of attempting to shape a professional atmosphere, whatever it may be, corporate, academic, political, uh, to reflect the cultural, racial makeup of the nation of the atmosphere it resides in. Now, this is my personal definition. But basically what that means is, okay, we have 13% black and 50% white and whatever. So the corporate structure should be perfectly that is what this idea is from top to bottom, whether it's the, the CEOs across the nation or ground level workers, although we don't really ever argue about sewer workers need to have racial makeup. Bricklayers. Yeah. You know, subway workers. Yeah. All the, all the harder Window jobs, washers. dirty jobs. Yeah. We're not exactly fighting for equality on them. I mean, I think although should... you know what guys, very honorable jobs. I, absolutely I'm, we can't run without you so we thank you for that that's that's that, an honorable profession man i mean seriously that that takes guts you know some of these guys i was watching and a, girls and girls youtube short where this guy was going around asking women would you rather be a ceo for free or clean sewers for a hundred thousand dollars and I the women that. and the women were saying i i'd rather be the ceo and the men were saying I'll clean hundred sewers grand. hundred grand. Heck yeah. You know, it's like right there. <laughs> now, is that perfect cross-section? No. But how many women no. will actually get down into that sewer and clean it for six figures, right? I'm not saying women don't work hard and women don't. But this whole idea of diversity is predicated on the idea that all CEO positions are are should be perfectly 50% because that's just how society how it is. It's the same thing with race, right? Which is DEI really got its talons in into in the '60s with race and and gender with the the whole uh, feminist movement. And so equity, you'll hear this term, and most of you probably know this, but in case you don't, equity is different from equality. So DEI believes that equity is different because. Equality implies treating everyone as if their experiences were exactly the same. It's a common way to differentiate the two by saying equality is equal opportunity. Equity is equal outcome. So what that means is diversity, equity, inclusion. They're not looking to create equal opportunity for people. They're looking to steal a job from somebody and give it to someone. He said it. I didn't. I'll say it. It's the truth. You're looking to steal. This is exactly what socialism and communism does. This, well, I'm sorry. Forget that crap. That's what demonic junk does. It steals from one to give another. Where's the benevolence in that? Where's the like actual, if we have to do this, what's the incentive to get kids to go out there and actually want to do something for their lives? If they know that one day, it doesn't matter how much I study. If there's a black dude that, that, you know, or a Mexican or something, right. That, applied for the same job I did and because of their color, they have a better shot to get it than I do just because of their color, not because of qualifications, but because of their color. Well, what's the point in actually studying for something like that? Right. Anytime that you try to engineer outcomes, <clears throat> people stop trying. What's you know that what story I mean? you said about the pilgrims and stuff like that? Remember when socialism happened? Oh, Jamestown. Yeah. So when Jamestown first was, was started, they had a communal, communist equity setup equity so the grain storehouse was in the center or whatever and everybody could pull out what they wanted so of course nobody grew anything everybody just wanted to take and they've eaten shoe leather and rats and stuff until finally they said okay this is what we're doing 
Everybody's going to get a portion of land. You grow your own food. Then all of a sudden they started having abundance and people were trading and people were selling extra food and all of that. And the, in, in the Soviet union, the joke was you pretend to pay us. We'll pretend to work. Like there's, there's no incentive a system that decides that no matter what the outcome is going to be this there, it disincentivizes a person's passion. Amen. So a person can't, can't, a person won't nine times out of 10, a person's not going to give their full effort if they already know the conclusion and they know no matter what their effort is, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let, let me tell you, are you going to study 14 hours for an exam? <clears throat> if you know no matter what you do, you're going to get a B. Screw it. Play video <laughs> games. Sleep. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Not matter how hard you study or how well you do or how bad you do, you're going to get a B. What's the point of studying? Right. Right? I fear that's actually this whole thing is, is more spiritual than we give it credit for. I think that's corrupt into churches too. Yeah. I think a lot of the times we don't go home and study and pray and read for ourselves. We don't know God for ourselves. And I've been struggling with this uh, thought process about <clears throat> you know, how much do I care for someone and, and, and want to help them and minister to them if they don't want it themselves? And I've heard this saying many times, you know, you can't want it more for them than they want it themselves. It's mm -hmm. true. And then there's also this other side of me, Lord, you could change any heart. So like, how far do I go? And what happens is, is if people know that the preacher's good, everything's solid, I know I'm going to go in there and get my four songs and my sermon and leave. What's the point if, if you're not being taught to go strive after the things of God? Because, hey, after all, the end, I know I'm saved. No matter what I do, you know what I mean? This teaching is kind of uh, crazy. But in Christianity, if you know that you're saved, your spirit, your heart wants more of God. When you know that you're saved, you know what he saved you from. And I pray, I pray, I, I think we don't teach that enough. Yeah. What he died for, like what was the purpose? It wasn't just for sin. It was to redeem your entire sin nature, your bondage to deliver you, right? The, the course you were on was set on hell. It was. Uh, the wrath of God was coming against you, and then he puts it all on his son. There's like a great story here. Rather than just saying, hey, you're a sinner, blah, 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 say this prayer, you're done. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? It cheapens it almost in a sense. You know what makes that work? Because somebody can make the argument, well, Christianity has e equity then. Equal, or equal outcome, right? Salvation. It doesn't matter whether you're small or large or whatever. But the difference in that is love. How much love do you have for the father, right? Ooh. So love is that driver of, I know my outcome. I love God so much that I want to get closer. I want to seek him. I want to grow. And God's the one who does the transformation, right? Mm -hmm. In the communist system, the, 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 the social engineering system. Let's put communism aside for a second. We'll just call it social engineering, which is this is what this That's is. Good. And I'll get into that for a second. But in social engineering, and, and I, I get into this, they're, they're not changing the heart condition. They're not. The, the, the love is what needs to change, right? If I grow in love for a person sitting next to me, you don't need to put me into diversity training because I'll grow in love with them and I'll try to overcome and, and reconcile these issues. Yeah. I think that's the difference with Christianity is right. – do you love the father? Because people are like, yeah, what about the person who just, you know, murdered a bunch of people and then suddenly said, oh, uh, forgive me, Lord, sorry. Well, where's their heart? The, the, it doesn't work for them if their heart is not actually repentant and submitted to God. You can't just say, oh, forgive me, right? Because your heart's not there. The other thing, too, is with this DEI stuff, <clears throat> no person can work hard enough to ever gain these people's approval it's no. never it's never enough right whereas with christ it has nothing to do with works it has everything to do with jesus it has nothing to do with you or anything like that and he changes your heart to love one another even through their flaws you love your enemy as much as you love yourself you love your the people who hate you as much as you love yourself you love as christ loved the church right you you, you do these things from a heart that's been transformed and what happens is even in these systems you've seen it I mean, when Kevin Hart said a joke 12 years ago about yeah. something, there was no like, hey, man, he's changed. He's different. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. No, it was, you know, get him off that stage. It was like, there's no, do you see what I'm saying? Force will always win to the one who compromises. Yeah, that's force will saying. always overcome one who compromises. 
because you don't have the word of God in here. You're not standing strong and solid. Dude, they're going to call you all manner of evil. Why do you think he warned you? So that you wouldn't falter, so that your faith wouldn't falter, the Bible says. So you stand firm in the faith. Know that they will come against you. Know that there will be persecutions coming against you so that your faith would not waver. Don't let your faith waver. They're going to call you all these things. And the bottom line is, if you know your identity and Christ is truly your friend, your savior, your brother, your helper, your, 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 you know, your, all of that, your king, your Lord, all that, if God is your father, Holy Spirit is your helper, what does it matter that what they say about you? What does it matter? Is it true? No, you're not a bigot. In their eyes, you are. But in God's eyes, you're being truthful and honest if you're doing it out of a heart of love and compassion, right? So there's such such things that we could talk about with Christianity that is so against socialism and communism. So far, like it, the spectrum is not even close. That's why Jesus was not a communist or socialist. That would imply Jesus used force for people to follow him, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. That's he, not true He at let all. people walk away. You're darn right. And he actually told his disciples, you're going to go with them? Right. There's the door, bro. Like, go for it. He actually told Judas, go do what you need to do right now. The one who's going to deceive me, do it now. Because now is the time. My time is coming. And, and Go I th- ahead and do it. He didn't th- stop him. I think about the fact that he knew when he talked about eat my flesh and drink my blood, a lot of people were going to leave. Like, if he really was, no, I need to force you into me, he's not going to use language that might drive people away. But instead, he used harsh language he did. because it was a test of like, hey, are you going to actually try to figure out who I am and the truth? Or are you just going with your physical ears? Are you, are you just going to follow the, the path? Dude, this is yeah. good. Do you notice? I got to say this. Do you yeah. notice that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was saying, let this cup pass from me? Not because of what people were saying about him, no. but because of the death and the things that he, he was about to be forsaken by his father. He knew it. Yeah. He had to be that. The full wrath of God was going to come down on him. Some of us are questioning ourselves before God because of what people say about us. His identity was so secure in his father that he knew, I got to go to the cross. How many, of us have our, how many of us have the identity to make sure that we're secure before God to do exactly what he's called us to do? Yesterday's message was blow away. The promise wasn't these nice things. The promise was for some of them persecutions, mm-hmm. trials, beatings, scourgings, being sawn in half. That was their promise. They obeyed to be sawn in half. And some of you will say, oh my gosh, that's so harsh. No, no, it wasn't. Because God wasn't looking for them to die. That's how the people reacted to the truth. They were just being obedient. The people who went and did these things were just being obedient. Noah didn't know the consequence of him building a boat, right? Abraham didn't know the consequence of leaving his land. Uh, Stephen didn't know the consequence. I mean, he knew he'd be persecuted, but did you think he knew he would die? No, that is how terrible the sin of man is. And you're putting that sin and that hatred on God. You forced your followers. No, he didn't. He told you to be obedient. The world's the world. Dude, read Romans 1. They're, they're brute beasts. They don't care. They, I mean, it's getting worse and worse for some. They're being given over to that mind, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, just be careful that your identity is found in Christ, in, in, in God. So you're not, again, you're not sitting there saying, well, Lord, they just say all these things. I got to rethink my, you ever notice Jesus didn't say, I got to rethink my doctrine. I got to find an easier way to say this. I better find an easier way to talk about this issue. The Pharisees, you know, Lord, they're they're not really listening and they're getting angry. Is there a way I can love them more? Is there a way I can kind of do this twisted thing with the scriptures? No. The bottom line is they thought that they were gods and they weren't. And they were turning people to twofold sons of hell that they were. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. You make them twofold the sons of hell that you are. All all in the name of attempting to become more righteous exactly you know but but and that gets into that whole idea of are you actually looking to god for your wisdom and your guidance and your righteousness and 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 your your uh transformation or are you looking to uphold doctrines and laws and and all of that there's a big difference um i i want to get into the history a little bit because there's something that i've got deeper in here that really connects with what we're talking about so back in the 60s, DI really formed, and it started out just diversity. It was a result of anti-discrimination legislation, okay? So it was becoming more of a conversation. People were looking at corporations. They were looking at academia and saying, okay, we have a diversity issue, so we need to fix this. And people considered managers' racial attitudes an import, important place to fight this fight. And then during the 60s and 80s, personality tests, personality traits were becoming a hot topic of focus for corporations. 
So a lot more psychological research, data gathering and training got put into these corporations and got mixed up with this whole fight for diversity. In the 70s to 90s, uh, Fortune 500 companies began diversity hiring efforts. And diversity training became a big focus. And that training was built on the movement focusing on personality traits. So what they, what they decided was we have managers who we feel uh, probably have racist attitudes and, and aren't looking for diversity. We've got to train this out of them. We've got to teach them how to not be uh, racist or sexist. So then you get to the 90s, 2000s, more and more diversity becomes a hot topic for corporations. But academic research begins focusing on inclusion. How do you in include people? How do you, how do you create a one culture, one environment where everybody, you know, holding hands and singing Kumbaya? Kumbaya. So one of the big questions was, why is diverse talent choosing to leave? So they're watching diverse talent leave, and they're going, well, why is that? We're not inclusive enough. We've got to build a more inclusive structure. Mm. From the 2000s to about 2015, inclusion became the focus. And research and preliminary findings pushed unconscious bias training and its impact on inclusion. <laughs> Dude, unconscious bias. That stuff drives me nuts. It's, 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 it's so crazy. They tell you as a Christian, you believe in a fairy tale. What are you talking about, sin? I'm supposed to believe in something that isn't there? They're trying to tell you that you somehow have a bias you don't even know about. They're pronouncing judgment against you. And you don't even know your sin. At least the scriptures talk about what sin is. Right. Right? And that the law makes sin exceedingly sinful, that when the law comes at you, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the law of God. Here, they're just saying, you have it. You don't know it, but you better know it. And if you don't know it, you're still a racist. And <laughs> for, for those of you who, who haven't heard the times that we've covered this, implicit bias testing, unconscious bias, they take a test and they flash different colored faces and they flash good or bad words and there's a connection they make that they say well you know you take longer to connect these two or shorter to connect these two therefore it's implicit bias or unconscious bias wow the problem is the correlation is so weak that even the same groups of people will have different results depending on the time of day depending on how they're feeling depending, depending on, on all culture kinds of bro stuff. it's 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 so Weak of a correlation that the test should not and cannot be accepted as a valid research. No way. And there's plenty of people who have come out against it and said this this really is not a good system for us to decide somebody has unconscious bias. Further, microaggressions, mm. which is comes out of this whole unconscious bias thing. And I use the example of not holding the door for somebody. If you don't hold the door open for me, it's because you're racist against me. Wow. That's the True. assumption. You've, you've just determined all <clears throat> of the motives within the person based on an action that you have no understanding of why they did what they did. Truth. If I use a, a short word with you, ah, it's because you hate me. Or maybe I'm having one heck of a horrible day <laughs> and I just don't want to deal with people. Like... You cannot determine through microaggressions Truth. how a person actually feels in their heart towards you. Bingo. Off my. That was good. Stamp. That's a little. Right. That's a clip. That's, that's, a, a, that's a clip. That's a little. So I uh, one thing that I wanted to point out in this. Mm. In the, point it. In, in the 60s, guaranteed there was a. a sizable group of corporate employees who I'm sure held some type of racial animosity or resistance or that kind of thing. But the question is, did diversity training help end that? And a lot of the research states that actually it didn't. And there's plenty of people who are pointing out, actually, there's a, a correlation of negative feelings and thoughts when diversity training is forced. How do you change people? And, and this is where I wanted to connect back with what you were saying. What hit me when I was writing this is what DEI does, diversity training, where they take you into a class, they tell you about implicit bias, they tell you about how, how bad you are, how bad you are, how, how whites, how you've contributed the power structures. And, yeah, yeah. You actually yourself 
are helping contribute to the implicit to the bias that's happened since the founding of the country. Yep, exactly. And and, and racism is institutional and DEI training. What it tries to do is teach you how to mitigate and and overcome racism in the workplace or sexism in the workplace and how to how to be a better person. Here's my issue with it. If you give a guy a gun and the guy goes and shoots somebody, it, we make this argument all the time. It was the person who did the firing. You're trying to fix the problem with a tool instead of the heart condition. You're trying to fix the symptoms. And this, I think, is what especially progressivism gets wrong so many times is they try to fix the issue by changing the tools. They, they try to fix the symptoms thinking that'll fix the root. The symptoms of racism are, I don't want him for that job. The root of it is you're looking at somebody and making a determination about who they are based on the color of their skin, which is hatred. Bingo. That's hatred because I could just as easily look at somebody who looks just like me and go, I hate that guy. Why? He's better than me. He's better looking than me. Whatever. Like, why is it automatically, well, here's the symptom, so we will fix that, and that'll fix everything backwards. That's the problem with diversity training. That's my issue with all of this is – like we were talking about in Christianity, the difference is the outcome for two people who are going to get saved but are in different spiritual positions is where's their heart? The heart is what matters because maybe I'm a wreck, but my heart is for the Lord. I love the Lord. Mm. And maybe you're you're righteous and amazing, <clears throat> Yep. but your heart is for the Lord. That's, that's, right. that's the difference, right? So uh, this type of stuff... I, I, and I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent do, do, here. Do your thing. So I, I, in in working on the tribalism book, I, I was reading another book that talked about a, an experiment with a boys' camp. And what they did was they they took these groups of boys and they separated them into tribes or teams, and they told them bad things just a little bit about the other team. And had them compete against each other. And it got so bad that they had to stop and, and switch course because the boys were going to end up tearing each other apart. All you had to do was throw in a little competition, tell them, hey, that's your rival over there. And they're like beating each other on the bus and, you know, like shoving each other out of the cafeteria and all of that stuff. So the researchers switched things up. They said, okay, how do we get this back under control? And what they did was they took the boys from the two teams and instead of sitting them down and telling them why they should love the others and all of that, what they did was they created a problem that all the boys had to solve. So one of the problems was um, the truck that carries the water to the camp breaks down, gets stuck in the mud or something. And so they tell the boys, if all of you want your water, you're going to have to go out and get that truck unstuck, get it fixed and get it in. So all the boys worked together and did that. And then they did something where, well, we can do a movie, but you guys are going to have to pool your money together in order to be able to do it. So all the boys came together and they got their money together and they bought the movie and they had a great time. They got to a point where they were going out for ice cream and boys were buying ice cream for each other and helping each other out. Boys were calling their best friend a guy from the other team or whatever. Do you notice what happened? Wow. You didn't focus on the, the symptoms. You didn't focus. Well, we don't call them that anymore. Stop calling them that. You need to include him in this. You need to be a part. No, they created a common belief system, a common structure. And almost a speak life culture. Yeah. You know, like you guys have to work together if you want this outcome, right? You've got to, you got to coordinate. You better do it. Right. And, and, that is such a better solution to something like this because when you're a corporation, you're trying to solve a problem together. So why would we take people, put them in a room and tell them, this is what's horrible about you. This is what's great about you. You need to stop doing this. You need to start. And instead put them all in a room together and say, okay, for the sake of your job, y'all have to fix this problem. I guarantee you at the end of it, Everybody comes out a little more understanding of each other. Now, you may get exacerbated knocking heads, but 
that's not going to necessarily be about race. It's going to be about personality, right, right, which right. that's just, it is what it is. This is the crux of my position on all of this is I, I loathe the idea that we'll fix the problem by trying to cure a couple of the symptoms. That's, that's my thesis. Well, that, and, and the real symptom of anything wrong or negative is just this inerrant thing, or this it's it's inherited that we have the sin nature. You who are, don't believe in God or who are atheists or whatever, just just hear me out for a minute. Where does all this evil come from? My parents didn't teach me to go lie and be deceitful. Matter of fact, have you ever met my parents? I was whooped. <laughs> Do you think, you know, seriously? And they had every right to do it. I was an idiot, you know, but. Growing up under the same teachings my brothers did, my sister, I went out and did things I shouldn't have been doing. I was not taught to do because in me dwelleth, dwelleth no good thing, the Bible says, hmm. right? So <clears throat> you have these things, even if there was bias, even if there was something where you guys were like, you know, we got to teach something here. You're curing something that's inerrant by something that is not. What you're trying to do is force them to change something they already have a, a, a heart set and a course set on. Yeah. And the way that you change them is either force or bribery. If you don't change here, you lose your job. But if you do change, we're going to incentivize you. We're going to do this. What does that do? It creates greed in a person. It creates fear and envy in a person. All you're doing is and adding. Why. Yeah, and that's right. And all you're doing is creating things that make it worse at home. You're destroying things at home because they're forced to work in an environment or you're telling them that they're racist or they're inherently bad, right? And you're they're going home mad at their wives, mad at their kids, mad at their husbands, whatever it is, right? You're forcing them to do something. They're not focusing on their kids and how to raise their kids anymore. And <clears throat> you're seeing all the stuff that just gets worse and worse and worse, right? When the entire time the answer truly, truly was love your neighbor as yourself yeah. through Christ. It literally is that. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, um, I was listening to some lady this morning. She said there's going to be a lot of there, there's a test that she had with just Judas's in her life, you know, with, with ministry. I've experienced it. You've experienced it. And she said, but what's crazy is I, I don't I don't I don't walk around. She goes, and I've had several of them, but I don't walk around now saying, oh, that might be a Judas. That might be a Judas. You better be careful. That might be a Judas. She goes, God can change any heart. My heart is to love them to Christ. That's it. I can't yeah. I can't look at them through that lens because all I'm doing is pronouncing a judgment they might not even have. And if I close my heart off there, what am I doing? Now, there's a difference between discerning. Make sure you're careful and cautious. She goes, I'm cautious about things, but I don't write that person off because I get a, a bad feeling or something like that. Sometimes God's correcting. Sometimes God is, God's fashioning them. It's just a really good thing. I was like, you know, we, if we all took that into to heart that God can change any heart, he changed mine. You know what I mean? He's still changing mine. He's still changing my desires, still changing how I think about things, still changing how I think about people. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm too guarded, right? From past and all that stuff. Even now, marriage is, is a huge thing. He's changing my heart all the time towards my wife. Think you ever notice as you get older in marriage, if you're truly like healthy in marriage and you 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 talk it, you talk it out, you talk things through my wife and I talk all the time, that as you get older, things don't matter mm -hmm. that they used to get frustrated about. It's like, you know. I like how she is. I like that she doesn't go by every whim that everybody does. I like that she's just, she, sometimes she needs to go sit down, pray and read and just do what she does. She needs to get up in the middle of the night and pray. I like how she is. Matter of fact, it endears me towards her because she's so different and unique. She's not like everybody else. And I'm not saying uh, being like everybody else necessarily is a bad thing where you always got to be, you know, at, at, at houses and events, but she just totally cares about our home. She cares about the kids. She cares about me. I love that. Whereas before I'm like, let's go out here. Let's go out to a dinner. Let's go out to, she's like, no, I just kind of want to stay home. <laughs> she's taught me to slow down. I Saturday prime example. I'll just let it all out. Right. And this is getting to a point. I, I am not good at resting. I'm, I thought I was good at it. I'm terrible at it. Right. Yep. So Saturday, I'm just sitting there. Babe, do you want to? And she's like, Nope. <laughs> She was, <laughs> I was like, how do you do that? Where you could just sit there and just like be, you know, she's like, cause we were created to do this. 
we were created to to work and to rest we were created to worship and to pray and so and i was like dang i got a lot to learn there it was hard it was really yeah. hard i was i was sitting there like okay lord so i just went up and prayed you know i just went in my room and prayed you know and, and did that stuff but it was like truly resting she's like you need this in your life she didn't wait she actually takes my phone if i take a nap she takes my phone away and and, and i it used to bother me it's like what if someone called what if someone else she goes and are they gonna die no you know she's like no you know right. it, it's 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 learning things and what i'm getting to a point is she never forced me to do that she loved me through all this. She was so worried about me working all the time. My, you, you, know, you know, my mind's always on these things. And then she's like, you're going to take a nap today. And, and, and I need you to do that because it's for your, it's for your good. 17 years. She's, she's just now teaching me how to like rest. 17 yeah. years of being with her. 16, almost 17. November, you guys want to send gifts? I send it to <laughs> No. Anyways, the, the point, you can't force people to love one another. No. You can't. You have to. You have to choose that through love, through Christ. And and I don't care how the language comes across in all of this. It it's not going to have its desired effect. The Economist has stated the consensus now emerging among ec- academics is that many anti-discrimination policies have no effect. What is worse, they often backfire. Two thousand seven study of eight hundred twenty nine companies over thirty one years showed no positive effects in the average workplace, and the effect became negative when it was mandatory. Ooh, dude, go force, figure. go figure. People don't like hearing about how evil and awful they are and how much they have to wanna, change themselves. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> no, I won't right, say. Go it. figure. Yeah, I won't say it. I was going to say sometimes they hear it too much. <laughs> they they, they go to work too. You know. Yeah, never mind. Um, I. I've got a lot yeah, more, yeah, but I, I think we kind of hit it. You know, is thoughts and solutions though. What are the solutions? How do people get through it, Mikey? Like, what, what's what's a, what's a, if they're corporate and they're you know what I mean? We have listeners that do this. They go through yeah. the corporate stuff and how do they deal with it? I mean, the guy was genuinely asking. Yeah, and it's one of those things that you have to decide what stand are you going to take if it's mandatory. Um, are you? And I'm not making a judgment on that. If in your conscience, it's like, well, it, it's mandatory and my job is most important and I'll go through it, then I think you need to prepare yourself and, and really solidify yourself and your convictions and how you feel and, and all of that and make your statements where you need to. Um, but you do have to figure out your conviction. Now, I think if you're a business owner, if, if you're a corporate, a head of a corporation, the beauty is you don't have to implement this stuff. And if somebody presses you, especially the, the cancel culture, the, the public opinion, no, you stand firm. You stand strong. And I, I'm telling you, people say America is so divided because there's so many people who don't like this crap, who don't agree with it. We tend to think America is so divided and I'm the only one who doesn't like DEI. I'm the only one who's not into the whole pride stuff, all of that. It's divided and and contentious precisely because there are so many people who think like you. And you look at Bud Light and what happened with all of that. I mean, people will speak. And and you as a corporation, instead of going, well, I I, I got to make sure that, you know, we're handling quotas and all of that. Instead, how about you work on your your shared values of your corporation? What is the goal and the mission that all your people are working towards? And you you instill that in every fiber of them of we are going to do the best thing possible. And I think it's a nationwide thing, too, of if all of us have a shared value system, which go figure, we, we've talked a lot about what's the value, value system of America, what's the foundational system of it. And you notice forces trying to change that. As they change it, what are they changing it to? Identity. Identity becomes the focus. Do not allow your corporation to use identity to become the focus and the defining factor between people because that's where you really get into a mess. And I think people will transform when you show them the love of Christ, right? The love of Christ can't help but transform people and the area around them. Um, you got, I, I, you got I, tools? <clears throat> I, I do in a sense. I but but I want you to hear me. This is a greater conversation. Isn't it unique that they're trying to force older people to change and telling younger people be what you want? Ooh. 
so notice now, instead of correcting our children, right? Instead of correcting, hey, these are thought processes and patterns that we see. Why don't we train our children to be more, you know, uh, 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 loving, all these other things. Now they're forcing you and they're telling your children that their value system is more important than your value system. So if you want to be gay, if you want to be trans, if you want to be all that stuff, then that's fine, right? <clears throat> you though, however, having a, a multi-valued system that's like, hey, it's based on my, my religious convictions. It's based on society. It's based on culture. It's based on history, right? We, we know uh, in, in history, it's genuinely always been and always will be male and female because God created it as such, right? And marriage was, was not a government institution. It's a biblical institution. This whole argument about marriage is on the wrong foundation anyway. We shouldn't be debating it at a government level. It's always a religious level because God creates marriage and he created the marriage between man and woman. So you're seeing more and more we're pulling away from teaching our children how to love one another forcing you to accept people notice that the word tolerance is not really tolerance it's called acceptance not love they don't give a crap they label it all under love because it's easy right and i i just keep going back to this thought process they're gonna keep telling you to do this because if they don't they control the narrative of how people see you right i'm gonna challenge all americans and we need to challenge you here this friday this friday we're gonna start challenging people pastor Chuck, give me a good idea we're gonna start challenging you turn your TV's off and turn your phones off and go outside and walk every day and talk to your neighbors. And you're going to see a whole different America, a whole different America. This less than 3% of the junk that's happening and being controlled by the media right now is what's controlling your mind. That's where all the fear is coming from. The majority of Americans don't believe in this bull crap. And I started thinking about back in the day, how did they handle and resolve issues? It's because when an issue came up in a city, they all talked amongst one yeah. another and when an issue was resolved, right, the media could not control what was happening. So if we stopped drag queen dances at schools, it was everybody's going to perceive it how they perceive it, right? I'm talking mm -hmm. about moral stuff. I'm not talking about lynchings and stuff like that because I can see where the left will take that. Say, like, well, then the whites control the narrative. No, no. When it's done in godliness, right, I don't want my kids taught this junk. Th that's it. These schools would not allow strippers on a pole to go into schools and gyrate in front of kids. But you're going to let these disgusting acts happen. And those people need salvation. Those drag queens need salvation. I don't even want to call them drag queens. Those men that think they're women need salvation. They need deliverance. It's demonic, right? I love them. We need to love them to the truth, dude. We do. But you would never allow these things to happen if a, if a stripper was in... You know, you wouldn't allow penthouses to be put in a, in a public library, but we're allowing this junk. See what I'm saying? And we're saying if we don't accept this, if we don't tolerate, if we don't this, because it's not just blacks. They're trying to use it for the transgenders. They're trying to use it for gays. They're trying to use it for every lifestyle out there. And it's not going to stop until you stop it. Until you may have to be that sacrificial person to stop it, to sue them, to say, no, this is not right. And we don't want to go that far because of what it'll cost us and how bad it'll make us look and all these other things. And yet your savior was marred, beaten, crucified, and his reputation, he didn't have one. I think that's where we are as a nation. People don't want to do that because of what it'll cost us. When the whole time Jesus was like, this is going to cost you your life when you follow me. So are you willing to go through that? I mean, this is no, serious talk. True. Are you willing to go through the price it's going to take to have freedom for your children? The founders did. I don't think they were all on board at first. You know, they were probably like, <laughs> uh, I don't want to die, you know, but yet they fought anyways. Are you willing to take that price of even what the Savior went through? I'm not talking about crucifixion. I'm talking about a, a spiritual crucifixion, a, 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 an almost an anomaly or a, 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 a version of a crucifixion publicly <clears throat> so that people can see the message you were standing for the whole time. Is that possible? I, I, I believe we have to. There's coming a point where it's like, doesn't matter what we say, dude. They're going to twist it and turn it anyway. So you might as well just say it. You might as well stand. stand you you on might conviction. as well. There's, there's no reason not to. And, and the more you stand on conviction, the, the more you're going to have people come up against you. But they're <clears throat> willing to force you, right? And, and you've got to see it that way of they're willing to force you into a position that you don't want to be Bingo. in. So you might as well stand firm and say, I don't care what type of force you're just like you said earlier, right? Force overcomes compromise. It does. 
sometimes you need to stand firm. And that's why it's so important to recognize that Christ said, count the cost. Bingo. And you may have to die for him. You may have to give up something. You may, you've got to count the cost of, are you willing to sacrifice whatever for Christ? And when you're standing for the truth, the world is going to hate you. Bingo. If the world loves you, you might want to take a second thought on, okay, why is the world so in love with me? Why is the world, why is the world accepting of who I am in this way? Um, I mean, this topic could go for a long time, but I, I, I hope what you got out of this was that this type of training, it's trying to solve a symptom. It won't. And it'll end up doing damage, and it does end up doing damage as research is starting to show. Your focus for yourself needs to be what's your heart condition. And like Massey said, maybe your call to action is actually start meeting your neighbors. Yeah. You know? Um, we have a big challenge for the month of June, and uh, it'll, it'll, we'll, we'll come out with it this Friday. But there's, I, I, and it's not a challenge where you have to do anything for us, it's for yourselves. It's going to show you how easy it is to get involved and what we need to do to, to, to turn tides in our own cities, in our own counties. You know what I mean? And it starts small. You know, that we, we have in the Constitution course where, and, and I have it on my slides too, John Adams wrote this thesis on the dissertation of canon law and feudal law. And it was read by like 40, 40 counties, like 40 different uh, towns and stuff like that. So it started to spread. So it's like this one dude who was just this little lawyer guy just like writes this paper against tyranny and he was like it just started fires samuel samuel adams started fires and if that's what it takes then that's what it takes guys if we got to go old school listen you ever notice old school always works <laughs> the old-fashioned way man the old-fashioned way dude the more complex cars get most of us want to go back to carburetor yeah want to go to a carburetor and a you imagine a car without a computer these days oh my gosh but dude it's like Two clicks, spark gas and, and, and oxygen. <laughs> right. That's it, man. Spark gas and oxygen. Rock and roll. I you found know? the problem. That's it. You know, and and but the old ways, I'm not saying they're always the best ways, but the old fashioned ways of like just talking to your neighbor. Time tested ways. Yeah, man. That just just that that disciplining your children. That stuff works. You know what I mean? Like it's just teaching your kids and, and loving them. And that's the whole postmodernism deconstruction mindset is just tear it all apart well you don't have a solution at the end of it so tear it all apart for what yeah. you haven't actually come to a conclusion about whether or not something's good or bad you've just decided it needs to be tearing apart Bingo. torn apart because it's old anyways. so anyways guys thank you so much for tuning in uh we will be back on friday 10 a.m but do not forget about our matching grant go to the self-evident truth.com be sure to uh donate become a member um, we've got some cool stuff ahead for you. So thank you so much for your support, <laughs> your encouragement, and your participation. You guys so, are amazing. All right. A lot amazing. Till Friday. Maybe Have a good amazing. week. Amazing. Love you guys. Bye.